Life Church. Good morning to everybody in the foyer. Come on, let's worship the Lord. Amen. Welcome to Life Church. We're about to go into worship. Let's give him all we got. Amen. Amen.
the last three or four songs, there's been an overriding theme, whether you realize it or not. deals with Christ victorious, Lord of all, sitting on his throne. And as we were singing a few songs back, I began to began to see a structure where the foundation began to crack and the walls began to separate and felt the Holy Spirit was saying let my people know that I am in control that there are things that are coming that they will question things that they think they are prepared for that they have not even seen coming yet and yet tell them I am on thy throne nothing catches me by surprise I am in control for I am the Lord of all things over all things and it is my word that is going forth and those things that are being brought to pass are of me there is no need to fear there is no need to be concerned but they are to find me seek me Go after me with all of their hearts. And when they begin to see these things where everybody else will be worrying and be full of fear that they will be rejoicing for they know that these signs are the things that shall come to pass before the return of the Lord comes for his church. I'm looking for a church that is not filled with fear and worry and apprehension, but I am looking for a people that are filled with positive confession of faith that they know that they know that they know within themselves that what is taking place is of me and I am on my throne let them wake up every day with the assurance in their heart that I am who I say I am I will do what I determined to do and they need not fear of the things that they see come to pass for they are to be people of faith who walk by faith and not by sight they are not moved by the things that they see around them but they are moved by the Spirit of God that dwells within them thank you Lord thank you Lord let's just sing that chorus again you are worthy Lord you're holy Lord let's sing it all together again Lord of all Lord of all come in this place today and you've had a, a, a sense of apprehension about some things, an unsuredness in your spirit. There, there's been an uneasiness in your spirit. God said, shake that thing off. Throw that thing out right now and let the peace of God come on you. For the word says that the peace of God shall rule your hearts. It'll govern your hearts. If you have been 
be given into fear, apprehension, anxiety. Right now, in the name of Jesus, repent of that and 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 cast it aside. Break, break connection with it right now. In the name of Jesus. God, we rebuke worry. We rebuke fear. We rebuke anxiety and oppression, uh, uh, the oppression that comes with it, Lord God. The, the, the sense of doom. Let it be gone in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Now let peace descend upon this place. Let peace descend upon this place. Jesus. Jesus. You are Lord of all. Lord of all. Lord over all. We acknowledge that. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray this day, let your kingdom come, and your purpose and will be done in our lives, in this place, for the glory of your name, the glory of your name, we pray, Jesus. Why don't you take a moment and just turn and greet one another this morning. We're going to have a time of prayer in just a moment, and uh, but just turn and greet one another this morning. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. 
Well, good morning. Glad to have you here at Life Church this morning. Our group from Ohio are on their way back home, should be home today, and uh, we're excited for them. And um, all, all those young people had an incredible God-filled week. And uh, if you hadn't heard, every one of them competed nationally and did a tremendous job. Um, Jaden Hart received sixth place in the nation with her art submission. Um, Elena Guillory received third place in the nation in her solo worship dance. And the Lit Crew puppet ministry team of Life Church received number one in the nation. I wanted to get on Facebook and, and, and announce it, but I didn't want to steal my daughter's thunder. And uh, I sure couldn't do it when she showed the video when it got announced. <clears throat> but I wanted to say for all you parents who gripe and complain on Sunday because your kids are upstairs having to practice puppets, that it paid off. It paid off. It's a lot of work. Yes, it's very hard. One little mistake, one error, and especially when it involves black light. Um, a lot of times they're not set up for that. And so when the three names went up around the country and then they left Lit Crew of Life Churches winning the number one place, the place went wild. And, um, yeah, we were, we were crying and shouting for them too, you know. So, But every one of them that went was a winner, and we're so proud of our young people. But... The competition aside, God moved in the services, and they responded to the work and the call of the Holy Spirit, and literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of young people from all over the country answered the call of the Spirit, at, and especially in, involved when it, they were given a call to surrender to ministry, to missions, to whatever God has for their life. Literally, the cameras were filled with, with literally thousands of young people that went forward. And it wasn't an emotional appeal. It was a spirit-filled appeal. And I'm just telling you, God's doing something in this younger generation. There's a fire that's coming with them. And, and so get ready. Get ready, I'm telling you. you, get, you when they get back, there's, there's going to be fire. <laughs> That's all I could say. Amen. Amen. Well, this is the first Sunday of the month, and this is our emphasis. We take a few moments to emphasize our missions giving. The uh, um, uh, uh, ushers are passing out offering envelopes. We don't take offering envelopes. We don't pass a basket if you're a visitor or whatever. Uh, we have boxes on the back wall. We have actually... Um, uh, uh, a way to give online. You can text to give. All those things are up on the board on our website. But this is a special offering. This is not our tithes. This is a special offering above that. The Lord speaks of giving uh, tithes and offerings and alms to the poor. And so um, this is something extra. And you don't have to do this today. I'm just telling you, we, this is just something that we do. We emphasize the fact that 
God calls us to go into all the world. And we, not all of us can go into all the world. You go into your world, but we have those that are all over the world and doing different things. So every month we highlight one of the mission areas that we give in Life Church. And sometimes it's local, sometimes it's national, sometimes it's international. And where's Brother Glenn? Come on, Brother Glenn. Um, uh, and this morning, our focus is uh, on interfaith prison ministry. And, and Brother Glenn is coming to take a couple minutes to share with you about that ministry. He's actively involved in it. I think you serve on the board now, don't you? And um, uh, he loves what he loves doing it and being involved in it. And what I could tell you, he's going to tell you all right now. Anybody wants to go, let him know. He'll 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 tell you how to be involved in that. But he's coming to tell you about that. And then we're going to pray for all of our missionaries. Good morning. I'm going to start off with uh, Matthew 25:36. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came and to visit me. Uh, Brother Russell Roseberry heads up the uh, uh, Interfaith Prison Ministry, and um, that's just what it says, Interfaith. We, I just came back from De Quincey uh, Friday, and it's a two-day uh, ordeal, really, but I only went for one day. And uh, to see the prisoners' lives that have been changed. And we don't go just for the prisoners themselves to, to, to reach out to them for Christ. We're there for that reason. But most of all, if you read the scripture, it says, when I was in prison, you came to visit me. We go to visit those that are brothers and sisters in the Lord. Yes, sisters, because we also have a, a ministry that visits the women's prisons also. But... Um, we try to edify those that are in prison that are brothers, and they reach out to those that are in there, and they prepare their hearts for when we do go. And uh, I, could, I could tell you testimony after testimony that lives have been changed. Um, I'm going to give this one testimony. We went to uh, Eunice Jail. Uh, the jail was about 25 by 30 feet, and uh, 20 prisoners into that one jail, if you can imagine. And the, the smell was, to tell you the truth, I didn't want to be there. But Jesus, forgery, Jesus, I was there. And we give our testimonies. And I gave, I went into one uh, reading of scripture was when uh, Moses went up to the mountain to get the Ten Commandments. The Lord told him, take off your shoes, you're on holy ground. And I said, Moses represented the law. And while I was saying all this, there was a guy in a bunk in this cell that had his arm over his eyes like this, like he wasn't listening, or I didn't think he was listening. And then I went on, I said, well, let me take you a little further about the, uh, the prodigal son. I said, the son ran off like we all did, chased after our own gods. And uh, he finally came to the senses and came back to the father. Well, the father ran out to meet him, and he said, clothe him, put shoes on his feet. And I said, the shoes represented grace before the Old Testament, take off your shoes. Now he's putting on shoes, grace. And I, when I said those words, the guy that was on the rack, he took his arm off his, off his eyes, and he kind of looked at me. So after that, we had kind of an altar call, and then he came up, and I said, do you know Jesus? He said, no. I said, would you like to know him? He said, yeah. 
So I let him in the sinner's prayer. I mean, tears started coming down his cheeks like you would not believe. And he gave me the biggest hug. I thought he'd never let, let me go. He had tattoos all over his, his chest and everything else. That's the working of God. Now, I mentioned how it smelled when I went in there. When I left, it smelled the roses of Jesus. Because lives were changed. And that's what this is all about. When it said interfaith, like I said, at De Quincey, we went there. We had like uh, 28th different churches representative there. We had a total of about 50 volunteers. And uh, it, the ministry is unbelievable. Um, I, I've been so blessed by being on it. And if anybody else is interested to find out how to be, belong to it, let me know. I'll get you an application and we'll, we'll get you started on it. Uh, be in prayer about it. Uh, like Pastor was saying, not everybody can storm the gates, you know, in, in uh, certain areas. I know we can't all storm the gates of prisons because we probably all get arrested or something. But, but uh, your prayers are, are really welcome, and whatever donations the Lord lays on your heart to for this ministry is, is well welcome. We also minister to the children of the incarcerated. Um, before the, the, uh, the children's ministry started, the, uh, there was like 80% of the kids were following the parents' footsteps. After it started, it dropped down to like 18%. Unbelievable. Uh, that's the basic needs of the ministry, and y'all be in prayer about it. And thank y'all. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I would challenge you, if you've never been on a mission crusade or mission uh, weekend in a prison, I would challenge you to do it. It's going to be outside your comfort zone for a lot of you, I guarantee you. I remember the first time I went as a teenager, I've been several times uh, in several states, and um, it's, it's, it's an experience. You say, well, what do you mean brothers and sisters locked up? Well, they've come to know the Lord and the process, and, and they are there, and they're, they're serving the Lord where God has them at that moment. And so it's just one of the ministries of many that we support around the world, and we thank you for your missions giving. You may not give today, you may give next week, or some give every week a little bit, some do it once a month, whatever. I know we, we, my wife and I, we give to missions because we know it's, it's the heart of God. And, and if God's going to bless anybody I'm, in any church, it's going to be those that have a miss, heart for missions. And so we have missionaries that depend on our support and there's a lot of times that there isn't the funds that, to the commitments that we have made, but we give anyway. And, and uh, because that's just God's word, go into all the world. And so those we send, we need to support. And so we thank you for that. So let's just take a moment to pray for our missionaries and, uh, and, and thank God for where they are and, and that God will provide every means for them. Lord, we just thank you. We thank you that you came. You sent your son to be the missionary of this world, that whosoever would believe in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And now you've commanded your church to go into all the world not just the areas that we're comfortable with, 
God, we have those from all over the state that are doing different things from Teen Challenge to New Orleans, working with the street walkers to those who are trafficking kids to, Lord, we, we're, we have those in, uh, in the prison ministries here. God, those in the, uh, uh, that are overseas working in foreign countries, Lord, they've given their lives, they've committed their families, they've, they've committed everything. And so, God, we just pray that you would just give them greater influence where they are for the cause of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Amen. Amen. Brother Tiger, it's coming real quick to make a quick announcement about Micaiah's call that's coming up, and then we're going to get in the ministry of the word. Good morning. All right, everybody help me out. Say fire. fire. One more time. Fire. All right, so Pastor Bob mentioned the students that are coming back from fine arts, and he said that they get ready. They're going to bring fire back. You know, so there's scripture in the Old Testament that talks about keeping the fire continuously burning on the altar. So here at Life Church, we believe that. We believe that it's not a one-time thing. You just don't have an encounter, and that sustains you through your life. You've got to continue to stoke the flame, not only in yourself, but in each other. And so... We are hosting, uh, I think this is either the fourth or the fifth installment of Micaiah's call this year. It's going to be on August the 18th and the 19th. It's going to be the first night. It's going to be a Friday. It's going to be at 7 p.m. Saturday, it's going to start at 9.30, and it goes to about 6.30. There will be lunch provided, but we're trying to get an accurate number of people who are going to be coming. So if you have not yet DM Pastor Nick Helton and you are intending on coming to Micaiah's call, please DM him so he can get some good numbers so we know how many people we're feeding. We are also in need for volunteers. Uh, there's just no way you can do these kind of meetings without people volunteering. We do have a sign-up sheet in the foyer. So if you're interested in helping to stoke that flame inside this youth, uh, please sign up and we'll, we'll contact you and we'll get you uh, positioned in the place that you're needed the most. And we thank you for that. I just want to give you a brief uh, summary of, of what Micaiah's call is, is about. And it's ultimately it's about students like Hayden right here, like Josh. Uh, like Mackenzie, wherever she's at, like our youth. Uh, this is, see, there's a story in, in 1 Kings chapter 22 that there's a, there's a prophet that's only really mentioned inside that, that area, but he's, he's, he has the task of being brought before two kings, King Ahab and King Jehoshaphat. They're about to go to war. They're, they're getting their military ready to, to march into war against the Syrians. And so they're wanting to inquire of the Lord, will we uh, win this battle? So King Ahab, he's like, man, don't bring me that, that God. Don't bring me Micaiah. This guy always prophesies things I don't want to hear. Uh, when the reality was his life wasn't lined up with the Lord, and Micaiah was speaking those things that God was telling him to speak in that alone. So he did not want to hear from him. But what, what Micaiah's call is about, it's about stirring this generation. Because these, these students, believe it, they are facing now more than any time in history. They are facing the hordes of hell. I mean, us as adults too, but this generation is being pressed to conform to society's uh, ideas about what's right. 
what's wrong. They're, the Bible says in the last days that they will say those things which are evil or good, and the things that are good or evil. And so we want to be the we want the Holy Spirit to be the most powerful voice in this generation. We want them to speak on behalf of God. So this what Micaiah's call is about. It's about stirring this generation to stand for righteousness, for holiness, to speak into their school systems, to say the things that the Lord's saying in spite of what society's saying with with uh, gender identity crisis and, and all these other things that are just flooding our nation. We need a voice. Guess what? In the school system, in the youth, our children are the voice. So Micaiah's call is designed to stir these children. And it's not just for students. It's for anybody who wants to come. But the focus is this generation that is coming before us that's going to stand in the gap for the next generation and the peers that they have facing suicide, facing uh, depression, anxiety, all this, this confusion. So Micaiah's call is designed to stir these students, to bring them to the place to where they're so hungry for a move of God that it doesn't matter what the enemy's saying, what the world's saying, that they're going to speak that which the Lord tells them to speak and nothing else. So if you guys are interested in participating in that as a volunteer, please sign up. If you want to come or you have people that are coming, please DM Pastor Nick and let God get glory from it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, in case somebody doesn't know what DM means, <laughs> just direct message, <laughs> okay? And somebody goes, well, does direct message mean? Um, ask your neighbor. Ask your grandkids. <laughs> ask your grandkids. Amen? Praise God. Uh, I'm reading from Romans chapter 12, verse 2, as, as beginning this morning. It says, be not conformed to this world. Pastor Tiger was just talking about that. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Say mind. It's your mind. <laughs> that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. I mean, that you may test and you may approve what God's will is, his perfect will will for your life. That's what it is. And so the message this morning is simply called the three R's. And I know that sounds really crazy, but I'm, I'm showing my age here again, but I, I realize that school's getting ready. Okay, what's, what's, the, what's the joke? She did that to Canaan in school. <laughs> she did that to Canaan in school? Okay. <laughs> anyway, the three R's. I, I mean, uh, there was all kinds of things. You can't miss it. You know, there's back-to-school sales. Everybody's, you know, getting supplies and everything else. And so school's getting ready to start up. And, and, and uh, uh, th there's an old saying. It goes all the way back a couple centuries about the three R's. And it stands for uh, reading, writing, and arithmetic. And they, there was an old song in 1907 that actually came out called School Days. And it's School Days, School Days. Uh, yeah, and, and it says reading, writing, arithmetic. And they, they were like, they, they kind of shortened it, and it all began with R's. And it made me think about that, the three R's. And um, uh, the, the, the phrase appears to have been coined somewhere in the 19th century, but that doesn't matter. In Mark's Gospel, chapter 5, Mark records an incident of a man in the country of the Gadarenes 
And, and for the sake of time this morning, I'm just going to touch on the main points. There was a demon-possessed man who lived in the graveyards there. And he was so violent that the people who tried to control this man, they would try and put chains on him from time to time. They'd try and bind him. He would, he would literally break the chains, break the shackles that were put on him. Uh, he ran through the, the graveyard naked. Uh, people couldn't even go that direction. They were so fearful of him. Uh, and then Jesus, it says, came across the uh, lake and and landed in the, 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 that, the territory of Gadara, and this demon-possessed man comes running to Jesus, bows down before him, and begs him not to torment them before their time. The demons are speaking through the man and said, have you come to torment us before our time? See, the devil and darkness, demons, they know their end. They know that already. And their goal is that if we're going to go down, we're going to take as many as we can with us, okay? And so Jesus says that he had not come to torment the man, but instead he releases the demons out of the man, and they go into a herd of swine uh, on the hillside. And the pigs couldn't stand the demon possession, and the Bible says that they all ran down the side of the cliff, and they were drowned in the sea. And it resulted in an outcry of the owners. It's, it's, when you think about it, it's the irony of it, that first they're complaining about this man is so violent that they can't even pass through that part of the countryside and because of him. And so Jesus comes along, sets the man free, but all their pigs get drowned. And so now they're complaining about the pigs being gone, that Jesus had done this. But there's one verse in Mark 5, chapter verse 15, that I want you to show. It says, And when they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. And we know this because of the conversation. And Jesus said, What is your name? And because that was the, the way that the rabbis of that day taught how to cast out demons, find out the name, and then cast it out. And he said, Our name is Legion, for we are many. I'm not going to go into all of that, but it says, he, it says um, they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons sitting there dressed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. Now, they were afraid of the man when he was filled with demons, but they see the guy, he's dressed where he's been naked, he's, he's not running wild, he's sitting there, and he's in his right mind, and that brought fear on them. Now those who came to Jesus, they, they, they knew that this man had not been in his right mind, that he would torment anyone who was in the countryside, his erratic behavior, his nudity, everything else. All of that stopped, and his life and mind was restored as it should have been when Christ came to him and liberated him from his past, from the things that were destroying his life. And so the, uh, Jesus deals with this. And, and I, the point I want you to see is this, that the battleground was not the outward part of the man. It was not whether he could be bound with chains. It was not that he was running naked or anything else. 
The battleground was inside the man. It was the demons that were there. And the thing that most amazed the people was the change that they saw and that it was stated that when they saw him in his right mind, they knew above everything else. They, did, they noticed he was clothed. They noticed that he was sitting there. He was paying attention. He wasn't raising a ruckus, running around. But they said he was in his right mind. And that is key to this message today. Because the human mind is still the battlefield. For the mind is the control center of a person's life. Now, I'm not talking about mind over matter. But I want you to see something here. We need to understand how the enemy works. Because believe me, there is a devil. And there are powers of darkness. And he is working. And he doesn't want anyone to know that he's real. He doesn't want anyone to know that he's working. But I'm seeing it more and more. And I'm seeing Christians who are falling prey to a number of things because they've forgotten some of the very basic fundamental th truths of what God's Word tells us. And if we're going to understand how the enemy works, we need to understand how he works so that we know how to counteract those things. Now, see, Satan doesn't want a direct confrontation with Jesus. He's already had one of those before. He's had several of them before, and he's lost every single time. So what he, he knows that. So now he comes after those who are following Jesus. And his, his battle plan or strategy is far more personal, far more individual, for he fights for the minds of men and women. He understands better than most Christians that Proverbs 23, 7 says this, for as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Okay? The heart in Hebrew is the soul, which is the mind, the will, uh, the will and the emotions. It is our thinking, it is our willpower, our, our will, our desires, and our emotions. That's what it is. And he says, so as a man thinks in his mind, thinks in his heart, thinks at what his will is going to be, what his emotions are, that's what he's going to be. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus never mentions the devil. He never mentions demons. He never mentions oppression. He never mentions dark mystical forces at all. But Jesus consistently admonishes those that were listening about changing their thinking and changing their response to the things that happen to us in our lives. You know, there's a difference between a thermometer and a thermostat. A thermometer just, just tells you what the temperature is. It'll go as high as it will, and it'll go as low as it will. It has no impact on the temperature. But a thermostat is on that wall right there. There's two of them right there. How many of you are thankful for that? And it says, when it gets to this temperature, turn the AC on. When it gets to this temperature, turn the heat on. It regulates what's the atmosphere or the, the temperature in this room. God isn't interested in us being a thermometer. He doesn't want you blowing your lid every time something upsets you. He doesn't want you boudin and pouting and, and grumbling when, when things don't go your way. 
what the Spirit of God wants to do is come and regulate your life so that you stay within a certain zone, a God zone, a Spirit-filled zone, okay? Some of you are not going to remember anything else today. If you get that, I should stop right now. As I, I'm telling you, that's it. Because Jesus says there has to be a 180-degree turn in our thinking. That's what the Beatitudes was all about. Proverbs 14 and 30 says, A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. The contrast is striking because the Hebrew word leb that is used for heart means intellect, okay? So again, the heart, it says a heart at peace, a mind at peace, an intellect at peace. I'm just curious, how many people in here, be honest, you're the kind of person that when you wake up in the morning or the middle of the night or whenever it is, your mind is off to the races. Let me see your hands. Oh, yeah, about half of you. How many of you, your mind don't wake up for an hour until after you're up? Okay. <laughs> but we, we tend to speak of the mind as a, the seat of intelligence or reason, but the Hebrew word is the, means the thought or the will. How many of you know you can't just do what you feel like? That'll get you in jail. That'll get you in trouble, right? You think before you say something. Think before you act, right? Because that's what we're supposed to do. Solomon had observed that the thoughts of the heart, the mind, control the nature of one's life. So we're living in tumultuous times. We're living in times that have never, ever listened. These are historical times. In fact, I could almost say these are hysterical times because people are, they're, they're hysterical. They're like losing their minds about what's going on. They're like, I mean, the craziness is almost, there's no scale. Like one to 10, it's gone past 10 and doesn't even look back. And the craziness of the day. Of course, people who don't know the truth, don't know the word, don't have a history on it, they just think history is fine, everything's fine. But anybody with any common sense knows the word of God or has a sense of even just common history, remembers the way things used to be and the way they are now, know that, that we have skidded off the track, so to speak. And so we have a mind that should rule the impulse and motivations that we have in our lives. We need to be spirit-filled, spirit-controlled, okay? So let me just look at a couple, real quick, three, three simple areas and, uh, that the enemy likes to use. And the first one, we, we, again, we told up Micaiah's call this morning. The, the enemy loves to reach for the minds of our youth. I know this probably will get somebody upset, but I just remember years ago when Rush Limbaugh first hit the radio waves. Um, and he used to say this all the time. He said, young people today, they go off to college, college and their minds are filled with mush. And the professors mold it into what they say it should be. That is one reason we put so much emphasis here at Life Church in p 
putting into our children's lives from the smallest all the way up to the youth because when they go off to the university, go off to college, go off to the trade school, they're in a new, another world now. And they need to have that foundation established, that mold that's already there, because otherwise the world is going to put it in a mold of its own. Okay? The tragedy is that so few parents today realize how important it is to protect their children's eyes and ear gates, if I can put it that way. There, there used to be a little song with, for the little kids. It said, be careful. Which, uh, come on, y'all know it. Be careful with little eyes what you see. Be careful with little ears what you hear. I mean, it's still true. See, you already know that. But that's a biblical thing. That's a spiritual thing. Because if we, if we allow our children to see and hear evil or lust or extreme pride, then evil can become the governing principle in their life. A lot of people think, well, I'm bringing my kids to church. I want them to fix my kids. You got them more than we do. We're here to come alongside parents. We have more grandparents raising children now than ever before in history. And the world is changing quickly. And when the enemy gets his foothold and he begins to turn their hearts, turn their minds, he has them. And that's why the power of the cross of Christ comes to liberate them. That's why it is so important to, to you know, I'm just going to say this. If it gets me in trouble, doesn't matter. I will never understand parents who have teenagers giving them trouble and they punish them by saying they can't go to youth service. They can't go to the youth conference. They can't go to whatever the church is sponsoring, but they'll let them go to everything else. I'm just telling you. They need to be where God has a chance to reach them. And, and parents, I'm going, you know, we, have, we live in a society today that's so mobile and so many things going on. But you know, when my kids were growing up, we had certain rules. We wanted them to be involved in the, the hobbies that they liked and everything. But but I'm telling you, it's different from when my kids were coming up. But we had a rule. If there was a youth function or a children's thing or something like that going on, and then sports or dance or whatever got in the way, church came first. Now, I know that won't be popular, but I don't care. I don't have anything to lose. It's true. Because, because when we let all those things Run our household, you got the tail wagging the dog. When we're supposed to be setting the, the example and the order for their lives, I know there are times that we have to make exceptions to, for some a unique thing, a special thing, or whatever. 
But I'm just saying, I see this happening more and more and more. Where, where people say, I'm sorry, Pastor, we haven't been around for six, seven weeks. You know, we've been, we've been to Texas, we've been to Tennessee, we've been to Georgia, we've been to Florida. You know, this sport, this sport, this sport, this dance, this thing, whatever. You're just make you showing your children that it's okay to put God second. I'm just telling you. And, and, and I say it because I love you. Somebody needs to say it. The devil knows how susceptible and vulnerable we are to visual and audio stimuli. He knows. And he, through television, entertainment, social media, he introduces thought patterns that have the power to change the way we view life and the way we live it. That's why we had that series on what is a worldview versus a biblical view. All of those things. Satan works for the most part unseen without the beating of drums or anything else. He comes with thoughts and he tries to change our thinking. He wants our minds to see the pleasantness of things. He doesn't want us to see the other side. Go all the way back to the book of Genesis. And when Eve saw the fruit of the tree, she saw it, it was desirable. I have no doubt that that fruit, whatever it was, had, had been polished and glistened, you know. And when, when, and, and when she saw it and she gave it to Adam and he looked at it and saw it, and then behind it was the lie. You shall not die, you shall be like God. See, the enemy knows that if he can capture our attention by listening, he can capture our attention by seeing or whatever, then he can slip in that lie that's behind it. Listen, I used to say this when I first came to Christ as a teenager. I was big time heavy metal music. I mean, that was, that was my life. That was the kind of thing. I mean, I did other kinds of music too, but that was my thing. And God began dealing with me about that. And I argued with him for a few weeks as a teenager. I said, Lord, I really don't listen much to the words. I just listen to the music. How many of you have ever argued with God? Anybody ever win? No, you didn't. I know you didn't. Either you quit listening and did what you wanted to do, or you finally surrendered. And the, and the Lord showed me as a teenager and has confirmed it so many times in my life, there is a spirit behind music. There is a spirit behind music. And, and just because the words may look Christian don't mean it's Christian. I'm just going to say that. I'll leave it alone. Let you pray about that. But I'm just telling you, our battle is less, not none, but less, with spiritual forces outside of us and much more inside with our attitudes and beliefs, preconceived ideas, notions, everything else. And one of Satan's constant inroads in, into our life is worry. Worry. I'm telling you, you can't hardly look at the news or look at anything that comes across, and I know a lot of people don't look at news. They'd just rather be ignorant about stuff. And sometimes I think that's not bad, but at the same time, if, some, if something's about to run me over, I want to know what's coming. 
you know, and, and be ready for it. But worry, and worry is defined as to feel anxious about something unpleasant that may have happened or may happen. I mean, it may not have even come yet, may not even take place or anything else. And if we allow anxiety and fear to dominate our thought patterns, they'll replace our peace with worry. Okay? I want you to see this little contrast that I've got here between the demonic and the divine as far as activity goes in your life. The demonic requires submission to an outside control. Okay, the Holy Spirit always works cooperatively with you as an individual. You are the one he desires to express himself through. The enemy wants to force you into doing something. God wants to coax you and guide you and love you to work cooperatively through you. The satanic consistently violates a person's mind and freedom to choose. Always. The Holy Spirit energizes a person without taking away their intellect or free will. It's, it's just that way. The enemy wants to force you, put you in a place where you feel obligated, you feel like you have no choice. That you feel like if, if you don't do it, everybody will be looking at you. If you don't do it, that everybody will consider you a castaway. If you don't, listen, don't fall for that. If you feel pressured into doing something because and it's an outside pressure. And when I say that, I mean, the enemy uses people. He uses situations to make us want to not do, do what we don't want to do. That's not God. God works from within. And he doesn't force. He doesn't put your arm behind your back and go, I'm telling you, boy, get in line. He coaxes. He, he admonishes us. He he, he encourages us. But we always have the right to make the choice. Jesus said in John 10.10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. In John 8.44, He's speaking to the Pharisees, the religious leaders of the day. And he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desire. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. Notice that. For there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Satan's desires are in a sharp contrast to those of Jesus. Christ comes to the seat of our life to renew our minds. Be not controlled by this world, but be renewed in your mind, the scripture says. We've said at the beginning. 
Satan comes to fill our minds with lies to steal and kill what little life they may find that's there so that they can snuff out that life. And that produces the battle that goes on, the struggle that goes on in our mind that is the struggle of the soul. Our thought patterns direct our life's activities. How many of you, when you were younger, did something and your parents asked you, why'd you do that? And you would say, I don't know. Yes, you did. You know exactly why you did it. Most of the time it was because your friends were doing it. You felt pressured into doing it. There's not an I don't know in there. We know. And our major weapon against the power of darkness is the word of God. I've harped on this for weeks. I'm going to keep telling you the same thing. For God has promised to put his word in our mind. Even this morning, I was listening again in the book of Hebrews. In fact, let me just read this to you. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant. This is the agreement. This is the thing that God has made. He says that I will make the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts and I will be to them a God and they shall be to me a people. That part though means that we have an active part in the participatory part of it. In other words, God says, I will write these things on your heart. But it doesn't just happen by osmosis. It's not like if I sit down right there and the person next to me is filled with the word, somehow it just transfers. It doesn't work that way. I wish it did, but it doesn't work that way. Um, and so if we're going to walk in daily victory, there's three things, and it's the three R's for Christians, okay? Rebuke, remember, and rehearse. Now I'm going to break this down real quick. Rebuke, remember, and rehearse. A lot of Christians, they, they kind of understand the rebuke part, but they forget the last two parts. So let's, let's talk about this. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. Say, do not. Look at your neighbor and go, do not. <laughs> don't you dare do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. I'm telling you, don't, no, 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 no. About anything? About anything. Not anything. Yes, anything. Anything and everything and then some. You know, and everything in between. Do not be anxious about any, every, anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And it goes on, it says, and the peace of God, the result of doing what? The result of bringing everything to God Hallelujah. is that the result is the peace of God which transcends all understanding. That means it goes, it bypasses your understanding. It bypasses. Don't ask me how. But it means in the middle of the storm, with everything whirling around you, it looks like the world's coming to an end. You can have the peace of God. 
And if there was ever a day that people need that kind of peace, it's now. And it says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will look, will do what? Will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Your heart is the mind, the will, and the emotions. The peace of God will come on you. So let's break down these three R's real quick. Rebuke. The word rebuke means to reprimand, reprove, scold, censure, tell off, haul over the coals. That's what it means. Some of you need to, when the enemy comes against you, you go, leave me alone, leave me alone, go away. Leave me alone. Bow up and rebuke him. And say, in the name of Jesus, I'm going to haul you over the coals. You lie of the devil. See, some of you go, I can do that? Yes. The scripture says what? Do not be anxious about anything. Where does anxiety and worry and fear reside? In your mind. How many of you have been woke up in the middle of the night and the first thing you think about is an issue or a problem or something that's going on? That's, that's, that's a sign that there's something out of balance. Fear, worry, anxiety is trying to get a hold of you. I'm just telling you, it's, 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 a, it's a red flag. 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5 says, The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Now look at this next verse. We, say we, we demolish arguments. We do it. See, some people think that God is going to do it for them or that somebody else is supposed to do it. It says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. You do this. This is an activity that you must engage in. When the enemy comes against you, you don't show weakness by saying, Oh, I don't want to do. I'm going to go call pastor. I'm going to go call my best friend. I'm going to go call my spiritual whoever. You should be so full of the word of God that, just the, that, the, that the enemy should be heightened in awareness that you just might suspect that he's at work. And when, when the enemy tries to put that fear on you, you go, devil, I see you. You can't have my child. You can't have my marriage. You can't have my mind. You're not going to make me worry. Any. I'm telling you, I'm serving notice on you. I'm going to wreak havoc on your kingdom. Now, somebody might think that that's that a little boastful. Not if you're a believer and not if the word is truly in you. 
When thoughts of anxiety, fear, dread, undue concern, worry come against you, you must rebuke it. Our authority to do so comes from the Word of God. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. That word sound, that phrase sound mind, means a disciplined mind. That's what it means. A disciplined mind. You have the power of love. You have power of love. And a disciplined mind. We must become disciplined in it. Because God's word says we can trust him in everything. Romans 8.28, my favorite verse in all of the Bible. And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. Jesus told us that the signature mark of the enemy is to steal, kill, and destroy. We know that. And any thought that comes to steal your peace, to destroy your relationship with the Lord or other people, to try and kill the life that Jesus give, has given you, must be rebuked. Okay? Rebuke. The second word is remember. Remember means to keep in mind, retain information, memorize, learn by heart, consider, recollect, or take into account. That's what it means. You know, that it becomes a part of you. That, that you remember. Immediately the word comes alive. Philippians 4, 6, and 7, what did it say? Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with your thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds. The answer to worry is to rebuke it. The antidote to worry is to remember what God's word says. Did you get that? The answer to worry is to rebuke it. But the antidote to worry is to remember what God says. In everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God that will transcend your heart, mind, will, emotions, all of it. Instead of you dwelling on worry and fear and frustrations, you just simply talk to the Lord about it. I, I've told this story years ago. I haven't told it in a while. I'll tell it real quick. It just came to mind. Somebody needs to hear it. And, uh, but when my wife and I first got married, the first two years we were married, we traveled all over the country and worked with a man named Norval Hayes in the ministry. And um, uh, we traveled, in it was in the early part of the charismatic move. Conferences were every few weeks somewhere in the country. Norval was one of the key speakers for many of those, and we were a part of his ministry team. We also worked on university campuses in 35 states a year, twice a year. My wife and I did. And I'll never forget, at one of these conferences, there was a man there from South Africa. His name was Jaime Rubenstein. He was a Jew. But he was a big fellow. But he was the lightest man I ever saw on tiptoes. He, I mean, he was a big guy. But the whole time he's preaching, he's on his tiptoes. I wish I could get on my tiptoes like that. He just... These, I mean, the words coming out of him, 
but he's preaching and preaching and preaching. And for three days straight, he said things like, I heard him preach one time and he says, the Holy Ghost in you, oh baby, can you remember what the three words were? I'm trying to remember now, but um, they, 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 they weren't in the dictionary, let's put it that way. They, huh? It was like a... a the Holy Holy Ghost in you will make you more beautiful, beautifuler than than you know, and 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 he, he it's like, where's these words coming from? And and after one of, after the last service happened to go, it was in a Holiday Inn, you know, a civic a civic place center kind of thing. And so after the meeting, I happened to go into one of the restrooms, and he was washing his hands, and he's. Praise the Lord, praise the Lord. And he's on his toes. I mean, he's like, man, you know, that would drive me crazy, you know. He, you know, and he, but I mean, you didn't notice it because the power of the Spirit that was coming out of him, you know. And uh, this man confronts him in the bathroom. And, and I was there and saw it. And he said, Brother Rubenstein, I want to ask you something. He said, you said for three, I'll remember the three words later. I don't remember what they are. And, and, he said, and, and he said, you said that Holy Spirit will do this and do this and do this. He said, I looked up a dictionary and not one of those words is in the dictionary. How do you explain that? And the guy wiped his hands with a paper towel, threw it in the thing like that. He said, because my brother, he said, Brother Noah Webster didn't have what I got. <laughs> and out the door he went. And I was like, I'm going with him. <laughs> you know, I, I, to, I said, this guy's real. I mean, you know, now some of you are thinking, oh, he ain't real. He's flaky. No, I mean, at that time, I'm telling you, it was, it was, it was real. Because he was like, he said, I don't have to answer to anyone out there because it's what I have inside, what I know, what I know, what I know. And... Um, you and I, we can, we, can, we can come to God and we can talk boldly to Him. We can, we can thank Him that He already knows our hearts. He knows the desires of our hearts. He told us to come. If He told us to come, then we don't need to be fearful about coming. The Lord gave me a verse when I was a teenager that revolutionized my Christian walk. And it's from John chapter 16, verse 24. And it simply says, Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. Holy Spirit challenged me as a teenager right then and there. He said, do you believe that? I said, well, I believe it because it's right. He said, but do you believe that? And I said, well, yeah, I believe that. And he said, why aren't you asking? And put me on a challenge for the next few weeks. I just dared, I just dared ask for anything and everything, just believing God delighted in doing those things. And please don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I'm not saying God was required to do anything that I asked. And I didn't, I didn't ask foolish things, you know. I mean, I didn't ask for dollar bills to fall out of the sky and stuff like that, you know. But I'm telling you, God answered some incredible prayers 
Think, things I just whispered almost, and God answered them so quickly over the next few weeks. It was, it was, it was almost like, whoa. And I, went, I began telling my teenage friends that I had led to the Lord. Let me show you this verse. And God wants to bring joy back into your life. So we have, to, we have to rebuke and we have to remember. And the third thing is we have to rehearse. Rehearse. Rehearse, what does that mean? It means to practice, to go over, run through, prepare, review, repeat, study, and train. Okay? Those kids that won first place in puppets because they reviewed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed. And then when we wanted to go, please, you know, I'd come down sometime and the parents would be sitting downstairs and I'd say, they'd say, uh, Pastor, you got any info? I said, I'm not getting involved in that. I said, if you want to send a text to Tracy and say, let my children go, let you can do that, but I'm not going to do that. And they were like, no, we'll just wait. They'll be done soon, you know. Well, that's why, because they rehearsed. Well, what is God saying? God doesn't want us to live a life of constant rebuking. Listen to me. So many Christians are living at that level. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you, devil. I rebuke you. And you know where your attention is? On the devil. It's not on God. It's not on Jesus. It's not on the Holy Spirit. It's not on the Word. I rebuke the devil. I rebuke darkness. I rebuke the spirit of fear. I rebuke this. I rebuke this. I rebuke this. I rebuke this. I rebuke I rebuke, I rebuke, I rebuke you. You can't, you've got to get past that. That's the first part. The Bible says, draw near to God. Rebuke the enemy and he'll flee. Draw nigh unto God. There's more drawing near to God and less rebuking. In fact, if we draw closer to God, you'd there be less rebuking in your life. God doesn't want us constantly dealing with fears and anxieties. He desires, according to Ephesians 4.13, that we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The answer to worry is rebuke. The antidote to worry is to remember what God says to do. And the achievement of God desires in your life is rehearsing God's plan to renew your thinking, to change your thinking. Philippians 4, 8, and 9. Finally, brothers, he's, he's winding up his, his, his argument, his, that, uh, not argument like argument kind of thing, but his, 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 he's made his case. He says, finally, my brothers, Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Listen, that verse right there changed my life as a teenager. When people come up to me and go, show me in the Bible where it says I can't do this, you know what it tells me? They're immature and they're looking for an escape clause. They're looking for a reason to be able to keep doing what they're doing. And I always ask them, tell me why y'all want to know that. 
Tell me why you want to ask me that. Tell me why. Well, I just wonder. No, tell me why. Tell me why you want to know. Where does it say I can't do this? Where does it say I can't do this? Where does it say? See, that's living at a very low, immature level. That's like a child whose mom and dad says, don't do that. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. You do it, you're going to get punished. When people tell me, they say, show me where I can't do this. Show me where I can't do this. Show me where it says I can't do this. This is the verse I go to. I said, this is what I'm going to show you. Does whatever it is that you're asking, does it fit any of this? Is it true? Is it noble? I don't know what that means. Look it up. Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? What does that mean? Look it up. I'm talking about the biblical de definition of it. Is it admirable? Is it excellent? Is it praiseworthy? If, if it doesn't fit that, then it shouldn't be part of your life. It should be excluded, kicked out, excommunicated, whatever word you want to use. I told you earlier that when I used to listen to music, and I'd say, Lord, I don't listen to the words, I just listen to the music. That's the verse he used on me. He said, uh, what is it you feel when you listen to that song? And I said, well, it kind of stirs up some things in me that probably ain't right. He said, then does it belong? But show me, Lord, why I can't listen to that. Show me, Lord, why I can't do that. Show me, Lord, why I can't. That verse right there will change your life if you'll let it. And then he goes on, and Paul says, whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, Put it into practice, and the God of what? Peace will be with you. See, Paul confirms that what goes in eventually comes out. You cannot sit there and stuff your face, you know, and then wonder why your sugar level's gone off the charts or your doctor says your health is bad well give me a pill I give you a gospel whatsoever things are true just pure holy decent good report praiseworthy excellent think on those things he gives us guidelines to, for a transformed life that'll, trans, that'll change our lives. If we're called to renew our minds, he gives us the, the foundation for doing it. And it's God's word. Let me close. Because it says the God of peace will be with you. Now since the battleground is in our minds, we can expect the enemy to attack there. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13, look what it says. So think clearly and exercise self-control. Have clear, clear thinking. And exercise self-control. Look forward to the gracious salvation that will come when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. And so you and I are called to have a transformation of our mind. Look, you can go have a mani-pedi, whatever. That's not going to transform your mind. There's nothing wrong with it. But are you transforming your mind with the word? What would happen if you took a day and just stayed in this? Years ago, when I was a youth pastor, so a long time ago, I had a lock-in. We had a Bible reading marathon. That doesn't sound like fun, does it? I told the kids, I said, there'll be food, there'll be games and everything, but we're going to have a Bible reading marathon. And they went out and got sponsors for how, 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 how many chapters or uh, um, how much time they spent reading the scripture. And I paired them off in twos. And we had about 80 kids, 75, 80 kids that showed up. We paired them off in, in twos. And one would be reading, one would be listening. Then at the next chapter, they would switch. And the next one would be reading. next one would be listening. Because I said, the word of God is nigh unto thee. The, faith, the word of God is nigh unto you in your mouth. And faith comes by hearing the word of God. So I want you to say it. I want you to hear it. And when the other person was listening, they were following along in the written part of the word. And I had one guy in my youth group at the time. He was a good kid, but he was the instigator of every problem. He, was, he, he reminded me so much of me when I was that age. You know, I could, I could sway the crowd to do whatever, because it just sounded like a great idea at the time. And John was that way. This, this kid was that way. He, he was my thorn in the flesh as a youth pastor. He was constantly getting a group of kids to do some lame, dumb, whatever, and disrupting things. And, and I'll never forget, after this Bible reading marathon, he was looking at me, he goes, I don't read good. And I said, well, you'll read what you can read. And you'll listen to what you listen and so throughout the night, for almost 12 and a half, 14 hours, we had this Bible reading time. We'd have a break. We'd do a little game or something, food, whatever, bathroom break, back to reading the Word. And this went around the clock. They didn't even get go to bed that night. And um, the next day, I released them, sent them home. Then the next day, that afternoon, I get a phone call from his parents. And his mom says, what have you done to our son? Now, I don't know about you, but that puts the fear of God into a youth pastor. Because you have no idea what he's gone home and done or she's gone home and done. And, and probably put your name to it, you know, that kind of thing. 
And I'm like, uh, could you be a little more specific? And the mother says, I want to know what you've done to him. I said, could you be a little more specific? And she says, this is not my son who came home. I said, your son's name is, and I named him. She said, yes, that's not what I mean. I said, then can you be a little more specific? And finally she just said, he's not the same anymore. I said, what do you mean? She said, can you just come over here? Well, I was tired after being up all night and everything. I had a restaurant that I was running, you know. So I had to stop and go over there and meet with, the, and by then, Dad's home. And I'm thinking, oh, boy, here we go. You know, what has he done? What has he done? She said, that's just it. He's nothing. I said, what do you mean nothing? Is he asleep? What? And, and the, the end of it was simply this, that he, since he had come home, he slept a little while, but instead of doing the things he had always been doing and causing problems at home, he was the instigator of every problem in the house, and I had heard that before. He was in his room, and he was reading his Bible. He was still reading the Bible. And, and I said, well, can I go talk to him? I go into the room, and I sit down with him. I said, what's going on? He said, Pastor, I can't shut it off. I said, well, you can't shut what off? He goes, the words, they're going through my head. Even when I sleep, the words are going through my head. I said, is that bad? He goes, no. And I said, like, okay, have you, have you done something bad? No, that's just it. It's the words are going through my head. He said, he said, I can't get the words to stop. They're just going through my head. And I said, why you want it to stop? He goes, I don't know. I said, well, that, that God don't want it to stop. I said, but the devil wants it to stop. He goes, well, I don't want the devil to win. I said, well, he's not going to win. And I said, so we prayed with him right there. And I said, just keep on doing it. And I said, let your parents, because his parents didn't go to church. A few days went by. Mom calls me, says, I don't know what you did. It's still working. I said, I didn't do anything. It's God's word. Next Sunday, his parents were in church. Answer the altar call. Because the word of God changed his thinking. And I'm telling you, instead of being an instigator of problems, he became a magnet to other young people. And next thing you know, our, our youth group that we had started nine months before with five kids was now running 102. He's bringing kids from every direction. They're, they're like, what's going on with you? And, and God, can, God changed his life. That's what God wants to do in our lives. He wants to make you a spiritual magnet by the transforming of your mind, your thinking. You're, he's going to do the transformation when you put the stuff in. You know, we used to say in the early computer days, G-I-G-O, garbage in, garbage out. And if you're just putting in junk in your life and then expect some spiritual maturity to take place, it's not going to happen. I'm just saying it's not going to happen. We need to repent. We need to let God bring change in our life. He can point those things out, but we have to determine 
to make the change. We're going to pray right now. As, we, as I've been speaking to you, there's, some, there's a number of you, Holy Spirit's been putting finger on some things in your life. And I'm not saying they're evil. I'm not saying they're darkness. But it's preventing you, it's hindering you from seeing the transformation that you say with your mouth that you want. Are you going to live at the rebuke level and never grow past that? Or are you going to begin to remember what God's word says? And then are you going to begin to rehearse it? Practice it? Rehearse it over and over and over. It's not rebuking one time. It's not remembering one time. It's not rehearsing one time. It's a lifestyle. It's a lifestyle. Jesus rebuked the enemy. He called forth God's word and he rehearsed it. And the enemy was defeated in the wilderness. The psalmist prayed. In Psalms 51, he says, Lord, create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit within me. That's our closing prayer this morning. If you want God to create in you a clean heart, and you want the Lord to renew a right spirit. In other words, take where you are and take you to another level in, in, in spirituality in you. God, that's what the psalmist is saying, create in me. He says, search my heart, O God, and see if there be any wicked way in me. Create in me a clean heart. And renew a right spirit within me. If you feel Holy Spirit tapping you and saying, that's my call to you this morning, I'm going to ask you to just boldly, if you can, just to stand right where you're at and say, I'm willing, Lord, here I come. It's between you and the Lord. I don't need to know anything else between you and the Lord. You're willing to say, here I am, Lord, here I come. Created me a clean heart. Created me a clean heart. Come on. Come on. Can that be your heart cry this morning? Lord, created me a clean heart. I sense the Holy Spirit here. Creating me, creating me, creating me. God, take out the darkness. Take out the fear and the worry. Take out all of that stuff. God, created me 
a clean heart. Oh, yes, Lord. Create in me a clean heart and renew a right spirit in me. Come on. Come on. Come on. Pour it out right now. Right now. Right now. Pour it out. God, forgive me. I've allowed the enemy to come in. I've allowed him to come and take up residence. I've allowed him to fill my mind full of anxiety and worry and fear. And God, I've transgressed against you. I've sinned against you. Because God, when you saved me, you took all of that stuff away from me. God, I've, I've forgive me. I've, I have failed in rebuking the enemy. I have failed in even recognizing when he's trying to make a place in my life. God created me a clean heart. New thinking, fresh thinking, clear thinking, clear understanding. Wednesday night when we were praying, I prayed that about marriages and families. I said, Lord, remove the fog. Bring clear thinking into their lives. And the next day I get a text message from out of state from someone who said, that's where we have been. It's like this fog in our thinking. And I said, it's the way the enemy's working. Try and distract us. Try and confuse us. Try and bring confusion. Father, we come against that spirit of confusion. God, let clear thinking focus on your people. Let the word of God shine brightly through their lives. Let the word of God establish their steps. Let the word of God give them light under their path. Let the word be alive inside of them. Transformation take place. Right where you're at, ask the Lord, God, transform my mind, transform my thinking, transform my attitudes, transform my perspective on things. Transform them, God. Transform them, God. Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. I sense there's just some here. You, you have been living in a sphere of confusion in your mind. And it is not by accident you're here this morning. It is up to you to rebuke it and command it to leave in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost, Holy Ghost. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. The Bible says, cast all your cares on him, 
for he cares for you. Cast all those weights, all those anxieties, all those worries, all those concerns, cast them off, cast them off, cast them off, cast them off, cast them off. The psalmist declared, bring my soul out of prison that I might praise your name, O God. Father, we come out of the prison of worry and the prison of anxiety and the prison of fear and the prison of the unknown. God, we know what is known. We know you. You are Lord. You are God. You are, you are the everlasting one. There is none like unto you, God. We have no reason to fear. I walk out of here today with a clear mind. I walk out of here today with a heart that's been unloaded of fear and anxieties and worries. I release them now. I call God's word to be activated in my life. I will rehearse it with my mouth throughout the day. I will take his word and rehearse it throughout the day. Some of you need to do that. Instead of, instead of complaining, instead of worrying and, and vocalizing that to someone, you need to find a verse or two or three or four and begin to just, instead of that, you need to speak those words out of God's word. Rehearse it. Just like the lines of a part of a play. A school play or something, rehearse it, rehearse it, rehearse it till it becomes down deep inside you. Jesus. Where are those, where are those who have been woken up in the night and terror has come on you? Just, just slip up your hand. There's one. Anybody else? Two. Another. Anyone else? I, I want to pray for you right now. Father, in the name of Jesus. I, Lord, I extend my hands in their direction right now and I come against that spirit of terror. I come against it in the name of Jesus. I rebuke it off of them and out of their home. Out of their home in the name of Jesus. You've been exposed, devil. The light of God's word has exposed you in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. When you wake up, if you wake up in the middle of the night, I want you to speak his name. Jesus. 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 For the name of Jesus, demons tremble. Do not give place to the enemy. Do not give a foothold to the enemy. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. This is going to be a life-changing day for many of you. It's back to basics. We're going back to school. Rebuke, remember, and rehearse. Rebuke, remember, and rehearse. 
Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The song. Go ahead. Why don't you stand together if you can. Let's just worship the Lord. Let's give Him thanks right now. If you need special prayer for anything, why don't you come down right now and a few of us will pray with you or whatever it is. Come on. We'll pray with you. Otherwise, let's just take a moment and just worship the Lord and praise Him. thank you for the fellowship of brothers and sisters in the Lord but most of all we thank you for Jesus and the salvation and the assurance that we have in you thank you for our position in the family of God thank you for the Holy Spirit who lives within us abides within us and is working his work we give you praise in all of those things Father Now we go out into the mission field that you have for each and every one of us. Let us be mindful of the call. And the call is to go and to tell the good news wherever we are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Again, if you need prayer for anything, come. We'll pray for you. Yeah.